Read the chapter, Ephesians chapter 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, Neither is there respect of persons with him. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. <coughs> Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak, but that ye also may know my affairs and how I do. Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known to you all things. <clears throat> 
whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that ye might know our affairs, and that he might comfort your hearts. Peace be to the brethren, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. So far we read from the, from the Holy Scriptures, and the text that we consider is that fourth verse. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. <coughs> Dearly beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, tonight we consider the calling that we have to rear our children in the, in the fear of God's name, or to use the language of the text, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the, of the Lord. It's a struggle for us to, to parent as, as we ought. We who are sinners we give birth and we to uh, our children are sinners as well and we quickly see the fact that they have a sinful nature and to rear them the right way to be patient with them to give them faithful instruction and to do that night and day not only when we feel rested but also when we're tired. And not only in the, at the beginning of the morning when we may feel fresher, but also toward the end of the day as we're getting tired and perhaps a number of difficulties have arisen and we're having our mind on the difficulties that we're trying to face in other areas that don't have to do with the rearing of children. And at the same time, we've got a number of issues with regard to our own children. We can see at times that we're, we're not as slow to anger as we ought to be, that we're not as quick to listen to our children as we ought to be. We struggle to do what the Lord calls us to do. And then we get to the point where we have children and they have children themselves, then we watch our children striving to rear their children. And we see the struggles that they have with the rearing of children. And sometimes they ask us about it, too. Sometimes they have a lot of difficulty, perhaps with one child especially, and they may even come to us and say, did, did, did you ever, was, was I like this? Like my son or my daughter? And, and how, did, how, did you how did you deal with this? Did we talk to him or we talk to her? And there's a times where parents can be so exhausted. 
We struggle to do what the Lord calls us to do, and that's, of course, with other areas as well. When we hear exhortations from the scriptures, we who have a small beginning of the new obedience, we who have an inclination to do the opposite of what God tells us to do, every commandment we read, we, our mind is also directed to our sinfulness. And we keep going to God asking for forgiveness. But also we do see that God gives us grace. He does give us the strength that we need. And that we do begin to live, not only according to some, but all of God's commandments, as we confess. We begin to. And we look at each exhortation. Consider the instruction that God gives to us about parenting. There are those that, of the world that have their ideas about parenting. We look to the word of God and we consider what we're exhorted to do. We consider also what we are warned not to do. And in this passage, we take note specifically, too, that the fathers specifically are addressed. And we're going to begin tonight by taking note of that, the fact that there is instruction here specifically to fathers. Certainly there's an application to, obviously there's application to mothers. In fact, there's also application to older children, too, taking care of and encouraging the younger children and being patient with them. We give instruction to our children about caring for their little brothers and sisters and are giving instruction to them that would apply also to the day, Lord willing, that they become parents. And indeed, there's instruction here for all of us, whether we're married or single. But when we hear an instruction and specifically addressed to fathers, there is certainly an application even to those that are married and don't have children or who are single. And yet, the children of the church are our children. They're God's children, and they are children that we as members of the congregation members of the church of Jesus Christ are to care for and to watch over and to encourage. We consider this passage under the theme godly parenting. We consider first of all a, a father's instruction. The fact that there's the specific <coughs> addressing of the father here. Secondly, we look at it from the viewpoint of what is what we're told not to do provoke not your children to wrath and then thirdly we look at it from the positive point of view bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of the lord so godly parenting a father's instruction not provoking and bringing them up uh, in the nurture and admonition of the lord First of all, with regard to whose calling it is to rear the children. Now, 
of course, we understand that, as was already mentioned, the fact that the father is addressed doesn't mean that the mother does not have a calling to the rearing of her children, and we know that she does. And some would take note here about the fact that there's a specific reference to the fathers giving the instruction, and someone would say, well, what about the Christian schools and the instructing of our children? And we've had this discussion in our own denomination you know, about the Christian school. And there are those that would point to the fact that, look, the scriptures here say that the fathers, it's the father's calling to give the instruction to the children. And repeatedly, you see the reference to the father so that when you go through scripture and see whose calling it is to rear the children, you see a number of references to the father. We say, well, of course, that is the case, that it's the father's calling to rear the children. But it is also good that we work together as families, that we together have the calling to care for the children of the church, and that's a good thing, that we work together in the educating of our children. In addition to all the education that we give them in our homes, that we also have instruction that they re are receiving in uh, the church from week to week as they gather with us under the preaching of the gospel and as they are instructed in the catechism room and receive instruction in the, in the scriptures in that way, and also as they are instructed in our schools and the different subjects are taught, making applications from princ of principles that are taught in scripture. That's a wonderful blessing. It's a wonderful blessing to bring our children to a church that preaches the gospel and then to have our children go off to a school where those who believe that same gospel are there and that the children are raised in homes where that gospel is taught, and that the teachers themselves believe that gospel. That is a wonderful blessing indeed, that we have. And that our children go through their younger years, developing friendships with those of, of like faith. And then as we so often see as they grow and mature, that they want to marry someone that, if they have a desire to marry, that it's important to them to marry someone that believes that same, that same truth. That's a wonderful blessing indeed. So it's good that we work together as, you know, as families working together and supporting our Christian schools. Yeah, we do bring out that this passage does point out the fact that the father is the, the head of the home, and there is importance to us taking note of that. It's not only here, uh, and in a parallel passage, there's a number of parallel passages between Ephesians and Colossians, so that as you go through, and I've been going through the book of Ephesians, well, there's a number of times you'll look at the parallel in the book of Colossians, Colossians 3, verse 21, says, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. So very similar instruction there. And again, 
addressing the fathers. And that is interesting, because you might have thought that it would be, that it would say, and you parents, or you fathers and mothers, but it specifically does address the father. And in the Old Testament, we're familiar with that in the Old Testament as well. We sing in Psalm 78, verse 5, For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, and so on. Now, some may say, well, it is, the, you know, the father is the head of the home. Well, what the father is to do is that the father is to make sure that the wife gives this instruction. And so he, the father is addressed as the head of the home, and that is an important principle that we do hold to the idea that the father is the head of the home and that that's a principle taught in the word of God. There are some people that will talk of certain things just being, you know, old-fashioned, or that's the way it was in the past. Well, there are certain, these are, this is a principle taught in the Word of God, that the Father is the head of the home. And it is the case, certainly, that the Father it makes sure that his wife is, is giving instruction to the children. And it does bring out the great importance of our young men, if they desire to marry, that they be looking for a godly woman that will give faithful instruction to their children. And that that's what they're looking for. That they want a woman that shows her love for the truth and her interest in spiritual things, and who is going to be diligent in spending time with the children, as she's going to have much time with the children in the home, talking about the things of the kingdom of heaven. And so it certainly does bring out how important it is that a young man who desires to marry, that he marry a godly woman. But it's also the case that fathers are to teach directly. It's not simply that they make sure that they send their kids to a Christian school and that at the home they make sure that their wife is making sure they know their catechism and that they're prepared for their lessons in school. And it's not only that they're confident that their wife in the home is reading the scriptures with the children and talking about the things of the kingdom to the children in the home when they're not there. As they have different times of uh, opening the scriptures together. But also that the father spends time giving instruction directly. which means he, means he needs to be home enough to do that. And that, that right there can be, it can be difficult. A 
man with all the expenses that we have today and uh, trying to and when we have a, especially when we have a number of children and all the costs that are involved men can find very quickly that they're very very busy sometimes feel the fact that they really should be home more than they are. It is important, it is very important for them to be home enough and for men to listen when their wives are telling them, you need to be home more than you are, that you're gone too much of the time. And in addition to that, when one is home, it's important to make good use of that time. Because it could be the case that a man comes home and thinks he's just exhausted, exhausted from the work day and just wants to you know, do something of, to his, of his own, what he finds to be relaxing or of a recreational of some sort, and it really doesn't involve the, the children. He thinks, oh, I've been working all day. I need some time to do something that I want to do. And doesn't, when he is home, he doesn't really spend the time that he ought with the children. And knowing what's going on in their children's lives, communing with them. That's another area where sometimes it can happen that, you know, somebody can talk to a father about their son or their daughter. <coughs> and ask a question about their son or their daughter, and they recognize that they really don't know, they should know the answer to that, but they really don't. And then they feel, I should be more involved than I am. I should be aware of the, you know, the answer to this question. But I get busy doing so many other things that I don't spend enough time talking with them about what they're going through in their life. So not only having enjoyable time with them, and at this time of the year in the summer, we often go, you know, have time, additional time with, with family and with children, enjoy time together. Not only things of, uh, of an enjoyment in that sense, but also in the sense of getting to know them more. And them getting to know us more is good too. It's good when they are getting to know more about us. And we are getting to know them more and what's going on in their life. There's more communion back and forth. And there's more of an applying of the principles of Scripture to specific life situations. And that the fathers look for opportunities to do that. and that they spend the time with the children that, that they ought. They are children of the covenant. You know, we have baptism and we hear about how the promises to the child no less than to the adult. Christ died for them, died for the adults, the spirit works in them, Spirit works in us as adults. We're to keep, we're constantly to remember the love of God for these children. 
his children. And how God works, uses us in the instruction of our children. He does not need us. But he makes use of us in the instructing of the covenant children of the church. We're to be busy in that work. And we, we, we have our mind directed to that calling of the rearing of the covenant children. We often remember the way that our parents or our father specifically, since we're addressing fathers, how our father taught us. Of course, that's going to vary from one person to the next. One person, when they think of their father's instruction, may <coughs> think of how diligent their father was and be striving to instruct their children the way that their father instructed them. For another person, it may be quite different. Another person may say, my, my father hardly ever talked about the scriptures at all. And of course, some people have very horrible experiences in their, in their family. So someone may say, you know, well, you know, I, I really wasn't taught that well at home myself. I really didn't have a very good example to follow. And for some people, you know, the situation, how hard it was and the situation in which they were reared. Yet, even in such situations, whether what, in whatever type of situation it was, for us in our own home, we are always to remember that our Heavenly Father has taught us. So who has taught us? Well, our God has taught us. Our Heavenly Father who loves us has taught us. Our Father who who gave his only begotten son, has taught us. And also, as we considered this morning, remember that God teaches us through Jesus Christ. Who's our chief teacher? And we say, well, Christ is our chief teacher. Well, we not only confess that, you know, in Lord's Day 12, that we say that Jesus is our chief prophet and teacher, but we also will then apply that in our thinking to ourselves and say, yes, I was taught by Christ. Like the disciples, when people took note of them and said, these men, it says people took note that those were men that were with Jesus. Jesus taught those men. Well, that's true of you. True of me. Jesus taught us. We've heard the voice of Christ. We hear him. He speaks to us. And our mind is to be directed to his love, to his mercy. And we're to be uh, striving to imitate him. 
in our parenting and in all that we do. Now specifically, looking at the, the exhortation here, provoke not. Not to provoke them to anger. One thing we take note of when we are told something not to do is that that certainly points us to the fact that that's what we tend to do. You can have an, another verse would be, husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Why would it just say that? Sometimes, you know, in Ephesians 5, you have time, a section where there's a longer section about the calling of the husband and wife, and we often read that section. There's other times when it's quite brief. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Why would it specifically mention that? It indicates that that's what we have a tendency to do. To be bitter. And we're warned. Don't be bitter against them. Don't ever be bitter against them. Well, here we have talking about parenting, don't provoke your children to wreck. And that is referring to the child's wreck, that the child becomes, becomes angry. Now the question that comes to mind is, well, if the child gets angry, does that mean that what the parent has done is, is wrong? And, of course, the answer to that is, you know, not, not necessarily. Child, the parent can be lovingly applying discipline. When a child is doing what that which is wrong and is pointing out to the child what they're doing is wrong and is being patient with the child and is lovingly disciplining the child, but the child does not want the discipline and the child is getting angry. And then, of course, we talk about that anger, too. And it could be that they, they take off to their room and they're muttering something. You can't really exactly hear what they're saying. And maybe they slam the door. And then we go in and talk to them. Not only about what they have done, that they were being disciplined for, but the fact that they responded the way that they did. And the things that they're saying. What they're muttering. And... The slamming of the door. And how God says we are to be submissive and we are to honor our parents. We are to obey inwardly from the heart. And we point out the, the seriousness of that sin and the sinful anger of our children. So certainly we do and we must point out to our children their sinful anger and that they need to turn from that. That they need to repent. They must repent. We recognize also there are times when our children get angry and we can recognize that 
the way we dealt with a situation wasn't as the, the best. And when we look at how we dealt with it and see how they're angry, you think, well, I, I could have dealt with that better than I, than I did. And seeing the anger of the child, I'm directed to think of my own fault in regard to how the child may have been disciplined or whatever it was that led the child to become angry. Now there are, there are of course different kinds of, there's some areas where there can be a judgment call and where husbands and wives often talk to one another about subjects where it, it's a judgment call, like what rules are you going to make? Are our rules too, too strict? And the children may come home and say, nobody else has to do this, or everybody else is allowed to do this, and you say, I can't. All the other children in my class can do that, and then you think, well, are we being too strict? Or do we want to keep holding to what we're holding to here? Is it the case? Or is the child saying everybody else is allowed to, and really it's only the case that there's a one or there's a few that are, but there's a number that are looking at it the same way we are? There are times where we wonder, are we being too strict? Do we prohibit too much? Or what's the discipline going to be? There's times when we may wonder if it's too light or whether it's too heavy. And there may be times when husbands and wives talk about that. And in one situation, they maybe think, maybe, maybe this, is, this is too heavy a discipline. Or in another situation, it may be, he's doing it again, or she's doing it again, and we've done this before, and he's, she's still doing it. And we need to do more than we've done. And so there are times when husbands and wives are talking back and forth about the rules and the, and the discipline. And there can be a matter of judgment as to what the rules are going to be. What's the, judge, what's the discipline going to be? There are, of course, other areas that are, that are clearly wrong. The neglect of children, where children, you know, hardly know their father. That their father really isn't involved very much in what's going on in their life. He's hardly home enough. And he doesn't really talk with them. Or that he doesn't, he doesn't hear their thoughts. And when they do express their thoughts, that he's quick to put down their ideas and their thoughts on matters. And that they don't even really want to talk when he's around. Or it can be the case that father talks to the child in such a way that the father that the child feels like they're never going to hit the standard that their father has set and again this is of course these things going to be applied to the mother as well could be the case that for the mother or for the father that they are wanting their child to hit a certain point in, in, in whatever area and that they're always disappointing and they're disappointed thinking that the child is never going to measure up and that they are always looking down upon the child 
And perhaps looking, why can't you be more like your brother or like your sister? And always pointing, praising that one and always getting down on this one. And now there are some times, of course, where it can be the case that, you know, we're discouraging the child. And that we are clearly wrongly discouraging a child by putting them down and by talking to them in a, in a mocking way or in a ridiculing way, rather than in a loving way. There may be other times when, when they may bring up the difference between how we treat one child and another child. And sometimes it can be the case, well, there's clearly a difference between the two because one of them is diligently working and the other one is constantly being lazy. Or that one of them, when they go wrong, you don't have to do much more than look at them and, and, and correct them with words and, they, and, and tell them to you know, turn from what they're doing and that they are rather, relatively quick to turn when they hear, when they see that their mother or their father is displeased. Where another one, it can seem like you have to talk over and over again. And so sometimes there can be an obvious difference between the two. But even in situations where there is an obvious difference, and there may be times when we talk, when they say, how come you talk with him? And we may point out certain things like this. But at the same time, it's very important that we not be ridiculing mocking our children. That we show that we respect them, that we show that we honor them, that we esteem them. That even when we are correcting them, that we show them that we do esteem them, that we love them. We're to be on guard against making false accusations, and that's something that we can fall into, we can judge rashly on the basis of what something appears. We can quickly make a judgment and find fault only to find out that was not what happened or that's not what I said. Oh, I thought that was what you said. No, that's not what I said or that's not what I was talking about or that's not what I did. Oh, I saw this and I thought, well, that wasn't what happened. Things like that can happen, and it, when, when something like that happens, where we are judging rashly, making a false accusation, it is important that we apologize. When we sin against our children, which we do, that we apologize to them. And that we show that we're genuinely sorry and that they see too that we are sin that we confess our own sins our own failings we don't fear i'm going to lose respect you know if i apologize well when we sin against one another whether it's our own child we're to it's good for us to apologize for what we've done that that was wrong course the whole subject that's being talked about a lot in our churches of late the horrible horrible subject of 
physical and sexual abuse. And how grievous, grievous that sin is when a, when a parent is falling into a sin like that. Sins that certainly must be dealt with and must, when there is, in, this is a matter that must be brought and dealt with. When, we, when you have impenitent sin like that <coughs> taking place. And what it does to, to a child, how horrible it is. There must be repentance, a turning away from that, from that wickedness. And that's a very grievous sin that we're hearing more about in our churches. And it's important for us to deal with that following the principles that we are taught in the word of God. And looking to his word and disciplining in harmony with that word of God. And striving to help and show love towards those that have been abused in these ways. Helping them, assisting them. We are to bear, children are to bear with their parents' weaknesses and infirmities, yes. But in penitent sin, grievous, grievous, horrible sins like this, that they must be, they must be dealt with in the, in the proper way. There must be repentance. We are all to be on guard against not only provoking our children to wrath, but it in our dealings with one another, the same principle that we see here regarding children and the rearing of them would also apply to uh, our relationships with one another, too. We're to be on guard against provoking a brother or sister to wrath. By the way we're talking to them, by the way we're dealing with them, by the way, we're not having you know, the time with them and talking with them as we ought. Whatever it may be, there may be times when a brother or sister is, we sense that they're angry and we look at our own conduct and think that you know, there's something that I've done or that I've been failing to do and that I need to, to turn from that. Passage says, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now, the terms there, bring them up, that's a term that has the idea of nourishing them. In fact, the term is used that way in verse 29 of the previous chapter, when it says, no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it. There the term is translated that way, it's nourishing. So bringing them up has that idea of nourishing children. <laughs> Bring them up in the nurture, that term has the idea of nurture, has the, that term has the idea of the training. So nourish the children, training them, and it includes chastisement. The term is translated in other places, sometimes it's translated as chastening, like in Hebrews 12, verse 11, it's translated that way. 
And then they admonition, and that term does, does mean admonition or warning, and it's translated admonition not only, not only here but, but elsewhere as well. So to nourish them in the training and in the admonition of the Lord, that we're to make clear that this is the Lord's instruction, the nurture and admonition of the, of the Lord, that we are to give his instruction, we're to discipline in harmony with his word, following the instruction that he gives, and making clear, too, to our child that what we're telling them is the word of God. That we're applying the principles of the word of God. That that's what we're doing. And to show that also in our discipline, that scripture calls us to discipline the child and to discipline them in love. And it makes reference to the rod. Yet we recognize one must be very careful with the rod. Yet it does make reference also to the rod. We're to be gentle with them. Certainly that term, nourish them, brings out to the father that the father is to be gentle with the children. should not have the idea that being a man means that you know a man is not gentle well that's not the case a mature man is going a man of god is going to be gentle in the dealings with his children the desire is that the children will submit to us and make it easier when we are showing love to them. How hard it is to be submissive to someone that's you know, mistreating you in the way that they're talking to you or if they're mocking you or neglecting you. But to submit to somebody who's showing love to you and is patient with you and shows their esteem of you Children, you know, they're thankful to have a, a parent that shows them love, shows them that they esteem them. And it's important in our dealings with our children that we show them, uh, that we show them, and that we tell them, and that we show them how we love them. We tell them, you know, there are some that would say, you know, I don't, we really didn't use that. We did, they didn't really say it in words. That they loved the children. And there have been some that have said when they became parents that they were quick to do that because they remembered in their own rearing, they didn't hear that, that it was actually expressed in words, that I love you. And now, as their parent, it's so important to them that they keep telling their child that they love them. How important that is in marriage, that that love be expressed, it be shown, 
but also that it be expressed. God speaks of his love for us. Christ speaks of his love for us. And we are to speak to our children of our love for them and how we are thankful to God for them. And children, our desire is that children are reared in homes where they're being called to submit to parents that are clearly showing them their, their love. And striving to be slow to anger and to be expressing forgiveness. Remembering how much we've been forgiven. As we sing in the Psalms, like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. We're to show mercy to our children and to forgive them. Also, when it talks about training, Nurture and admonition, or the training and admonition of the Lord. It does bring out, as we mention in the baptism form, the importance of the parents giving instruction to the children, which means that the parents must continue to learn themselves. The calling is to teach the word of God to the children. And those who are here that are young adults or young people and quickly it may be the case that you young people or young adults that currently are still single that it won't be too long before you're a parent yourself, Lord willing, and your calling will be to teach your children all the word of God, all the scriptures, to give them instruction in the doctrine, to make sure you understand it yourself and can give instruction in it, that you understand the, the history of the old dispensation and the new, and you can give instruction in that word. Now, now none of us knows as we ought. When we all, as we read, we all recognize how much we have to learn. But it's important to get ready and to make good use of the time to learn the scriptures, to study the scriptures. And as far as a summary of what the doctrines are we hold, we've got an accurate summary in our confessions. Reach, simply reading the confessions and being confident you understand what's there and read them slowly and asking questions about what you don't understand. That all of us together are to be studying the word and then talking about it. How beneficial it is when we're talking about the word in our home, as was mentioned earlier. So that our children grow up and they're, they're used to hearing the word of God applied in different situations and a talking about 
the doctrines of Scripture, reading the history and talking about the history and what, what is being taught by this event here, the Old Testament or the New Testament, listening to one another, older listening to younger and younger listening to the, to the older, that we learn from one another. Sometimes you children have excellent questions. Sometimes very young children have excellent questions that adults are, are struck by the question of that child. And then it can prod the adults to try to find an answer to that question. That, that is a good question. And that we learn together. Or not only a child asking questions, but a child making a comment. And adult, and adults think, I never, never thought of that, never looked at it quite that way. And a child recognizing that their thoughts that they express, that their parents listen to what they say. And View them as one in whom the Spirit of God dwells. A prophet. Our children are prophets. We partake of the anointing of Christ. We're prophets, priests, and kings under Jesus Christ. And God guides you children to understand the word, not only to ask questions, but also to make comments, and we learn together. For us to be training, it's important that we constantly be learning and studying and also showing ourselves a good example so that we not only give instruction in the word, but then we show it in our life. So we're not like someone who is very diligent in teaching the doctrines over against the air, which we are to do, but then in one's life, in the way they treat other people, in the way they dishonor other people, in the way they mock those in positions of authority, in the way they can be cruel to other people. I mean, then one's li their life, they're not showing themselves to be a good example in their life. We're to take heed to ourselves and to the doctrine. And we're to show in our own conduct that that's to manifest to others that they can see that we don't just under, you know, it's not just external when we say this is the truth and this is the lie and you need to be able to see how to prove that. And, but that we love this, we love the truth, that we love God, we love him, that we're thankful for our salvation and that we are striving so that we not to live to his honor, so that we not only exhort the children, but then they can see that mom and dad are striving themselves. And they see their own sins, and they confess their own sins, and they're asking God to forgive them. And they're looking for the strength to do what the Lord calls them to do. And that we together as forgiven sinners fighting the good fight. That we encourage one another. That we're thankful for one another. And that we pray for one another. That parents pray for their children. Children 
praying for their parents, for mom and dad. May we in our homes glorify our God and show our thankfulness and our love to our Redeemer. And may our conduct be to the honor of his name. And may we in our generations, may we grow strong and live to his glory. Amen. Let us pray. <coughs> O oh Lord, our God and our Father, we are so thankful for the covenant thou hast made with us and with our children. Lord, we ask that thou would forgive us and that thou would strengthen us. We are thankful for the covenant, that, that communion that we do have in our homes, fellowship with thee, and fellowship together. May all that we do be to thy glory, and may we be strengthened in the ongoing battle in these last days. Continue to bless our children and our grandchildren, and bless all thy people and all nations, we pray for Christ's sake. Amen.